everybody and welcome to Crucible. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the importance your faith plays in your growth, how to achieve major goals by improving 1% every day, and how you are the sum of your five closest friends. We all face challenges, crucibles in life, that make us or break us. What matters is how we respond to such roadblocks. That's really what defines us. Through inspirational stories from all walks of life, this podcast will provide you with techniques to overcome and grow from life's most challenging experiences. Welcome to Crucible. It's Mary Lee Aitenhan coming to you live from the Dividend Studios in Brentwood, Tennessee. And today I've got a fabulous guest, my first guest. Um, she is a two-time Olympian. She competed in Rio and Tokyo. She has the American uh, record and she's an American record holder in the javelin throwing her record throw of 67.40 meters, which is over 220 feet. And that is Miss Maggie Malone. So welcome, Maggie. So glad to have you. So good to see you. No, I am so excited. This is, uh, I, you know how much I love you. So I'm so excited oh. to be here. <laughs> Well, right back at you, because I have followed you and I've gotten up, you know, crazy hours of the night to watch you compete. And <laughs> I follow, I followed you all through everything except through high school. And once I got to Nashville and that was okay. kind of like your high school years. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I yeah, feel like I miss I know, out so I much. Know. So, um, but we yes. need to share with everybody how we know each other. And I'm going to let you, I'll let you lead that off. And then I'm going to oh add a gosh. funny story about yeah, I would love yeah. to hear your version. Yeah, I want to hear your version of this. But I mean, I guess the the best way is that I know you because you worked with my parents at the high school. Mm -hmm. My parents were teaching and yeah. coaching. You were the music teacher. And my sister, brother, and I were like obsessed with Mrs. I. Like, oh. <laughs> we loved being around you. We loved just like your energy. We, I remember just like sitting in the music room watching as you would um, coach and teach and just like watching all of the, you know, the guys and girls in swing choir and, and or show choir and everything. It was just like, we were so enamored with just you and then we Aww. just always wanted to be around you. And then we got to do, um, your, you know, like acting and, um, yeah. and singing camp, camp. camps in the yeah. summer, like all the theater camps. And we did, um, man, like music lessons and everything. And I, that's when I really did fall in love with just music and performing. And, you know, now I get to do school speeches all around the country. Mm. And I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, gosh, I'm so thankful for just like you and the, you know, work that I learned with you and just confidence growing up. And I was talking to my boyfriend and I was like, if and when I have kids one day, like I want them involved in theater camps and like music. And I just, I think it's so good for kids and you just, you know, you build this confidence that, you know, that, that it's hard to build in other, other places. So I'm so thankful that that's, you know, just one area that I got to know you through. And then you also decorated yeah. our house with my mom. I yes, remember that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I did that one summer. I think you guys were on vacation too. Yep. I did drapes yes, and all yes. sorts of stuff. I, yeah, it was crazy. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Yes. And I, I, I taught, so I taught you through sixth grade. Is that right? 
Um, we left in 06. I think so, yeah. Until, That's what I remember. Yeah. Yep. So we were Geneva Public mm-hmm. Schools, I think, when your, when your parents came as well. And with the gym right across yep. mm-hmm. the hall from me, you know, I had many a discussion with your mom out on yep. those benches, you know, because oh, yeah. I'd come in at crazy hours and I'd <laughs> leave at crazy hours and, and she'd usually be waiting yeah. there. And we had, we had just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun discussions and, um, you know, and I knew your mom from high school. I, I, I know. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, maybe you don't remember, but so I graduated yeah. in 78. She graduated in 77 mm-hmm. and I was a track okay. runner. That was my big deal that, you know, track and cross country. And I was distance <laughs> and we all knew who Nancy Malone, Nancy Kindig at that point was, and she was kind of our nemesis. <laughs> and that's the Scotts Bluff high school track team because they gave out an overall championship trophy, you know, to the um, team that scored the most points. Right. And yep. it was, and we were class A, so we're always competing against um, Omaha Central and your mother, mm-hmm. because she was like the track team goddess. I mean, she won everything. She was amazing. And <laughs> her senior year, it was the four by, well, 110 at that point, because we we're still running yards. And she got the, yes. she was, of course, the anchor, you know, on that team and had won the 100, had won yep. the 200. Um, had one, um, long jump, triple long jump. jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did she not do triple jump? I, I just remember. I don't remember the jumping. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, whatever she know. did, she won, you know, so here, this is kind of like the culminating race, you know, <laughs> she gets the handoff and she takes off and you see her falter a little bit, you know, which was just not like your mom, but she was so, mm-hmm fast it was just incredible and she would beat people by you know like a ton you know in a hundred it's usually Mm -hmm. just everybody's knows who can lean further well no your mom was just so far ahead of everybody so she takes off your team (laughs) Hastings St. Cecilia had the lead and they were so far ahead she had we didn't know what was going down going wrong but she started slowing down Mm. and it was like "Uh uh-oh she's hurt uh, you know this that's the only plausible you yeah. know, it's like what happened because she would not be slowing down to the finish line she yeah. literally finished the <laughs> finished that race they won and everybody finally caught up with her that's how far ahead they were but your mom oh fractured her ankle she fractured her <laughs> freaking ankle she was still running finished and won yeah, yeah still finished and won and a gold medal for their team and yeah and i don't remember if they beat us or or not yeah. but it was just we were always in the running you know for that that was always our, our big deal was to get the you know yeah. and we won every year and i was in high school and at that time high school was just 10th 11th and 12th you know but okay yeah so i i knew nancy kinding and when i first met her it's like Nancy Kendig Malone. It's like, oh my gosh, I, you know, and I was I just, you. I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a traumatic experience even for us, pe- us watching because you I know, mm-hmm. yeah, I just didn't want her to, to yeah, you know, hurt herself. I know. Probably, so. Well, and you guys just, ha- I remember, yeah, you guys would just sit and and talk all the time. Like I just yeah. remember, like I have such a vivid memory of that, of just like, we'd be shooting hoops and you guys would just be sitting on those benches talking about life yep. or whatever. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, it yep. is. You, there is such um, a deep yep. friendship for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I would walk in the summer and I remember your mom had these like miniature like baby hurdles and there yep. you guys all are and you're like two, you were three, then you were four, you know, know. and you were jumping hurdles and she was always just making you run and do oh, stuff. Oh, I know. Great. I loved it. I No, you, you know, probably better than anyone that we grew up in the high school. Like we literally grew yes. up in that building and, you know, Mrs. Miller aptly at the time, mm-hmm. but she, she always would tell us too, like, cause we'd run into her room and she'd read us whatever. And, um, she always tells the story of like, you know, I'm reading you this book and you're, you know, two years old or something. And it's the moon and the sun. And every time that it would show the moon, you'd say ball, ball. And she'd be like, no, Maggie, that is the moon. No, I'm from a very athletic family. Yes. That's the ball in our family. That's the ball. Grandsons. Are yes. Just like Ryan Hidden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I no. can, I can only imagine. I am obsessed with them on Facebook and Instagram. I so literally saw cute. I saw a picture of them and I was like, this may be the best looking family I've ever seen in my entire life. Like they need to be on every like poster everywhere. Yeah, I know (laughs) commercial. Yeah, I know. And they're, they're beautiful people, you know, inside. I mean, that's always been my thing with Ashley. It's like, it's great to be beautiful, but you know, yes, you've got to be beautiful inside. So yeah, exactly. I have a fun story from theater camp. So yes. Oh, I think. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so knowing both your parents, you know, you're both super talented, so, yeah. so athletically gifted, you know, your dad being on the championship team, yeah. he was a phenomenal football coach. He, whatever he did as well as it was, you know, he was, he was a winner, mm-hmm. both, both sets of parents. So we're, we were playing, um, hide and seek. Do you remember this? <laughs> and it was pitch dark. So we're in the downtown theater and it's yep. like a historical the Rialto. building. Like an, the Rialto and it's like, yes, in Geneva, yeah. Nebraska, and it's like an old opera theater. So um, we, for whatever reason, I don't know if we did this every, I think I only did it once a camp session. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this is like such yep. a big deal. Yep. And we played mm-hmm. basically hide and seek in the dark and it was pitch black in that <laughs> because the curtains are black you know there we maybe left a light on downstairs so there was a little light yeah that yeah so all of a sudden i i hear people screaming oh no maggie's stuck maggie's stuck and i thought what so of course all the lights come on you are upstairs in the balcony and your leg is literally wrenched (laughs) between the seat those old wooden rickety seats And I thought, yes. Oh, uh, I thought, oh my gosh, um, she's gonna break her ankle, and this girl is gonna be somebody. I cannot <laughs> be the one who goes down <laughs> in history at theater camp. At theater camp, <laughs> having her break her ankle, you know. Um, and as it I was, know. oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, Derek Nan and yeah. I never lived. I that remember town. getting. I remember. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember you coming over and like us trying to maneuver how to like get out of it. And I remember getting out and being like, because because think about this too. I had probably broken my leg like maybe two years before that, three years before that, because that was in kindergarten wow. when I broke my leg. So 
Okay. Right in that time. And it was a very similar experience where my leg had gone through like two steps and I mm -hmm. couldn't get out. And so I, I remember falling in between those and like, I can still see it. Like having this just visceral memory of, I'm like, I'm going to break my leg again. Like I'm going to break my leg. Oh, no. And then you coming over and be like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, right. I need to be calm. Cool. No, yeah. Definitely remember that. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. Yes. It wasn't me. Yeah, I, I didn't oh, man. cause you harm. That was probably the yeah, no thing I've ever done <laughs> as a teacher, but it was fun. It was wild and it oh, was so totally, fun. Totally, totally mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. No, I. I, we loved the theater camps. Like we had such a blast and I feel like I learned so much too. And yeah, Audrey and I, we talked about it probably like a month ago. We were like, do you remember doing Mrs. A's camps? Cause you know, like as we get older, like, I just feel like my memories have like, you know, you, they kind of fade a little bit. And so, and I'm only, I'm only 27, but I feel like I've lived in so many different places now that yeah. I'm like, everything kind right. of blends together. I'm sure you have experienced oh, this yeah. going from yeah. you know, Nebraska and now in Tennessee. And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, all of that. And so we were going in the archives and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what do you remember? And Audrey and I both said, we remember doing the circle and it was a game that you did. And it was like the Steve Urkel where you would like do, like you would have to pick a character. Do you remember oh. this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I probably made it up on the spot. Okay, no, I, I don't, I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was something where it was like, you like picked a character, you'd like go around the circle. It was like some chanting game. And mm -hmm. then you would like pick a person and that person would have to like act like Steve Urkel or act like somebody else. But I just remember Steve Urkel for whatever okay. reason. <laughs> I don't remember why. And I was like, it was just fun. Like, I just felt like we got to play the whole time. Very true. I tried to make my classes always feel like we were doing a game, you know, and now we're going to do yep. this game. And it was really in actuality, yep. your ear training or <laughs> music dictation, <Yeah. laughs> but y'all didn't know that. Yes. So I know. No, we did not. Indoor. But that's why you're so good. And that's why you, I mean, would win so many awards and still do because you oh, know how to do that. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I want to get to your story and, um, get to your crucible yeah. and have listened to you on several broadcasts and podcasts and um, just really admire you, Maggie, just truly, you know, first and foremost being, you know, having your faith be the number one thing that is your identity and, you know, being a daughter of the King, heavenly King, I just have always admired you for your faith. And um, I think that's such a pivotal part of who we all are you know, um, mm. but you had shared you were going to, well, you just start your story. Cause I'm not sure where you want to start it. So, yeah, goodness. I don't know. Where, where would you say the best places for you? Um, probably had the most questions after you had said it was, um, I think after Rio, um, that you had. Okay. Yeah. That you were most disappointed or. Yeah. Just gone. Or, yeah, for sure. And then the changes that you'd made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place. Yeah. And, and I guess just like the short version and most people have heard me say it, like didn't throw javelin in high school, learned in college, had success at Nebraska, transferred to A&M, um, and then had a lot of success at A&M after my 
sophomore, junior year. Yeah, there you go, junior year. Um, but yeah, then made the Olympic team in 2016. And <clears throat> I guess I can start there where it was like, um, for a long time, I felt like I made the Olympic team on accident. And that was something that I was really struggling with was a lot of this mm. imposter syndrome okay. where it was like, oh my gosh, like I shouldn't have made this team. Like I worked hard, but like, I know so many people who have worked harder than I have. Like I train with people who have like done this longer than I have. Um, like, why am I having success in this? And not that I was like ashamed by any means. I was so thankful for that. And I'm very driven, but at the same time, it did feel like, wow, you like, it happened so quickly for you. And so I felt like it just kind of happened on accident is the best way that I could put that. And so then going to the Olympics, I felt like, um, I don't know the best way to say it, but basically I felt this pressure to do really well because when you have success, um, people start to look at you, say things like follow you. And then, you know, social media, which I love and hate. Um, it can really (laughs) take you through a, through a spot. I know exactly. It can really take you through a spiral. And so I felt like I was getting a lot of attention on social media that I had not ever received before. And because of that, then I felt this pressure to do really well. Like people are saying, go for the gold, go for, you know, you got to win, you know, like I know you can win. But in reality at the time, like, you know, I was such a baby in the sport because I'd only thrown for a short amount of time. And if you looked at my numbers compared to what I was going to be competing against, I mean, I was like 15th maybe in the world or 20th, you know, like it was good. It was a great throw and I had good numbers, but it wasn't top three. And so I felt for a long time that if like all these people were like, you have to be in the top three, like I know you will. And if I didn't, then I was a failure. And Mm, for a lot of my life, I just, and I think a lot of people feel like this. It's like you, and I've talked to my aunt about this, my auntie Colleen, which I don't know if you know her, Colleen Fletcher Kindig, but it was my mom's older sister. Yeah, Yeah. I thought you did. They play Um, basketball, She's a counselor now. And Mm -hmm. yes, yes. And so I, um, so I, I've talked to her a lot about this too, and she's helped me just kind of unpack this where a lot of my childhood, because I grew up in athletics and having my parents as coaches, I viewed like winning is good. And you always have like success, success, success. Like I could, I would just visually see that. And I think from a young age, I connected that in order to have like attention or, um, have people be proud of you. You had to win Mm, and be successful. So failure was like not an option. Yeah. (laughs) You know, failure was like the most decimating to the character and your soul and everything. And so when I didn't perform well, and I actually had performed the worst that I had done all year at Rio, it was like such a devastating moment for me where I felt like I had failed on a world stage. And I felt like my whole world was going to fall apart because I'd let, you know, people down in Nebraska. I'd let myself down. I, you know, just like didn't live up to this expectation that I felt like people had around me. And so, man, from that point, it really was, um, 
just this, just truly is a spiral is, is what I've, I've called it a lot of times because it got to the point where I was saying so many negative things in about myself or about my performance or whatever it was that it became crippling to try to compete again. And because I was so afraid of not being this person that I was only, mm. you know, six months ago, you know, right before the Olympics. And I like wasn't seeing progress in, in practice. And then I would, you know, just verbally berate myself because I wasn't seeing, you know, it's just, is the cycle. So it's like, yeah. I'm not doing well in practice. Now I'm going to, you know, punish myself. I'm not doing, I'm gonna punish myself. and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then also during this time, like my faith wasn't at, it wasn't a priority. Like I thought that it kind of was, but now looking back, I'm like, Maggie, it really wasn't a priority. And so from that point, I then, you know, got injured. I hurt my foot. I, you know, fractured, mm. had uh, bulging discs in my back. And so that added to the fire and it really did get to the point where I was like, man, I don't even think I want want to do this anymore. Like I, I totally thought after 2018, 17, 18, that I would never throw again. Like I really was like, I'm yeah. done with the sport. And I then, you know, started going to counseling. I had such an awesome man. The one thing about A&M that I love is that it is very rooted in, in Christianity. It really is. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many people, so many Christians that are on campus. And I had such a strong group of girls, women around me um, on the team. And then just friendships outside that really directed me towards counseling and, and my faith. And so I started going to counseling and it was the hardest work that I've ever done. Like there are so I many times that it. I wanted to leave and just like, you Same know, it's this, just yeah. like, yeah, like I don't want to go there with you. Um, but I'm, I'm really thankful that I did. And the main areas that we worked on was, um, just my identity. Number one, I, I had created an identity of Maggie Malone, the Olympian or Maggie Malone, the athlete or Maggie Malone, the javelin thrower and not just Maggie Malone. And so that was the first thing that we really dug into. And the second thing we dug into was a lot of body image. So I had really just, you know, had gone through a lot of body image, just hard stuff. And, um, you know, I had developed like a semi eating disorder within that time. And just like, you know, because I was trying to be successful and I was like, if, if success looks like this, then I need to be doing this. And it really just wasn't, that just wasn't the right path. Um, but in my head, you know, that's, that's what it was at the time. And so through all of that, you know, I found, just Jesus again, I found such a, um, just like a, a want for God. Like there's just so many moments in my life where I was just like in my car or at my house. And it was like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like I just am like, I, this is too heavy. And God just always showed up. And I think that that has been just the most transformational part in my life is just seeing God show up in different areas and bring people into my life at the time. And so then after that, I started dating my boyfriend, Sam, who's my training partner. And he also coaches mm. me. And he just is really, I mean, he's the one that brought the spark back to Javelin. And um, That's neat. because we, and we were teammates for, you know, six years at A&M and no, knew each other forever and just never dated. And then we dated after college. So I think he, we just had a really good friendship and he's the person that I feel like 
he, he just like redirected me. It was like, Maggie, like, I see that you're good now. Like you're, you're in a way better place. And like, why not make a run in javelin? You know, like, let's try this again. And it was really hard to get back into it, but it's, I'm so glad that I did. And it wasn't pretty when we started. Like, I, I mean, I had really taken four, three to four years off and I just was like, all right, God, like I have this itch. Sam kind of is helping me in this area and we'll see what happens with it. And, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, had a move to Birmingham, Alabama at the time. And then, um, wow. I mean, I'm in COVID year and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it all just, it's, it's crazy. Like when I think about it, I'm just like, wow, God, like you really had a hand in all of this and it's hard to see it in the moment but now looking back it's like so evident i'm like golly like all of this had to happen for what you know 2021 was supposed to be like all of that had to happen for this to happen yeah that's awesome well um as you know i'm a health coach now so i i'm trying to help yeah you know, coach people to better health and um I can personally relate to the whole identity. Body image is one thing that yeah. I deal with a lot with a lot of women and men. It's it's mm. not just a female thing anymore. It used to be. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, but definitely not. But I struggled as well in high school, and I had greater success the thinner mm -hmm. I was. So I just didn't eat, you know. Yep. Which <laughs> right exactly. When, I one so then you make yeah you make this association that's not true yeah, you know right yeah exactly yeah. and um uh boy that was those were tough years for me I wasn't anorexic but I definitely was an emotional eater that's what it turned into for me yeah um so I struggled yeah. with you know keeping my weights the same my entire life um and should have mm -hmm. gone to counseling <laughs> but yeah. didn't have that available back in. 1970 whatever you know it was just yeah i'm sure it was there it just it wasn't a thing that people did like you know unless yeah, you were like yeah, no. mentally ill or something i think that's how people have this, <laughs> that yeah. stigma you know i know so and, and yeah um, and you're just like boy that's so wrong like it's it really is yeah but we had it backwards <laughs> yeah you're right though your mindset has got to be that's got to be first first yep. and foremost Yes. Um, yep. I don't care what you do in life, period. If you don't have your mind in the right place, then nothing will follow. Oh, yeah. Um, and with exactly. that, and it's, your faith. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, exactly. Like the pillars have to be your faith. And, and then I think your faith then feeds into your self-esteem. It feeds mm -hmm. into, you know, because then you know who, who you are. And like one thing that Audrey, my sister would text me every single competition I have, she would always text me. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. And that just always ah, recentered me because, right. Because it's like every time that I would walk out onto a runway or track, it's like, you can so easily make it about you. And I've, I've done it. I've been there and I've done it and it is not satisfying at all. But if you walk out there in a posture of humility and you remember, okay, this is for God, like this is truly for Jesus because he gave me a gift and I want to steward that gift, then it makes, it's a, it's a totally different experience. And I have done it both ways. And I can tell you that when you remember whose you are, it's, you are going to enjoy life so much more than if you make it all about yourself. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. 
Well, I know that when you went moved to Birmingham and when moved forward a little bit, you changed quite yes. a bit of things. And and as you yeah. were sharing this, even with Brett on the Nebraska Greats podcast, <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds exactly like what we do in health coaching. <laughs> this is exactly what we yeah. preach, you know. So um, why don't you share some of the changes you made then when you moved to Birmingham? Yeah. Regarding your community. Yeah, and I'd love to hear and- too. Yes. I was going to say, I want to hear too what you, what is uh, alike in your world because there's, okay. I, I want to hear that overlap. But yeah, I am, um, there's a, so many things that I, I change. Um, but the biggest one being exactly what you're saying is like building a community around me because I, you know, truly I looked around and I looked at what, you know, who are the greatest athletes in the world? You know, you see Tom Brady, LeBron James, Serena Williams, like you see these, the greats. Yeah. And when I looked at them, I noticed that one commonality that they had was that they had a team of experts around them who could help direct them. And I know that, you know, they have all the money in the world, but I thought, what if you could build that? Cause I do think that you can still build that even with that. I mean, I'm not making nothing compared to them. All right. Like pennies. <laughs> And so I was like, what if you could build that community around you of people that you respect, admire, and can learn from? Yeah. Because, and in this journey, I really created this mantra, which is surround yourself who are better than you with people who are better Mm. than you. Surround yourself with people who are better than you. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so I started working with a nutritionist who's in Hawaii. She's incredible, truly changed my life because I was having some autoimmune issues. She was the first person to identify what was actually going on. And we targeted that. Um, second one was my strength coach who is just absolutely phenomenal. He's out here in Phoenix because I just moved out here to Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. and I'm working with him finally in person. We were working remotely. Uh, I started working with a mental coach. Um, he's in Austin and he was, he's, I mean, I still work with him, like such a game changer talking about meditation, talking about, you know, mantra, core values, like all these things that really help you not only in performance, but in life. I mean, when I have, I'm not just having anxiety around track and field. Like I have anxiety around life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I have Sam, my, my boyfriend who is coaching me also, and has really just created such a, a good, just like safe space to fail and try and pushes me out of my comfort zone and a lot of stuff and has just been around me. And then, you know, I work with a technique coach too. And so I, and his name is Ryan. And so anyway, I call them my Avengers squad. They have mm. been amazing and really have, I mean, cause they are the experts in their field. And I know that these are people who are there for me, no matter what, like they don't care about Maggie Malone, the Olympian title. Like they care about Maggie Malone and anything that they can do in their power to help me be successful, they're going to do. And anything that I can do for them, like it's completely mutual. And I'm so thankful to be around people who are better than I am in so many areas and that I can learn from and really just be open-handed and say like, all right, guys, like I trust you, you know, better than I do to help me along the way. And you know, adding in my work family at WildSpark, we do leadership development. That has, they were and still are the most like encouraging and just 
God-centered people. And I'm so thankful to be around them because they helped keep me balanced in, in the sense of like, Hey Maggie, we love you. And we don't care how far you throw, but we love you. And we want to pray for you. And we want to always point you back to Jesus. And so I just feel like I have found a really strong community that I can lean on when things get hard because beforehand it was just me leaning on myself and obviously that did not work out. (laughs) Well, it's, it's impossible. You know, I mean, how many people can't, can't, couldn't do it just by themselves and go in, you know, I, I mean, you're the underdog. I couldn't believe. Exactly. What, so when I watched you in Rio, I thought these women are so old. I thought, oh my gosh, what is the age limit here? And here you come up, this beautiful girl, you know, I mean, woman, you don't look like a little girl. Uh, I was just like, you don't look yeah, haggard either. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And some of them were ginormous, you know, and I, th- I, d- oh I was just like, kind yeah, of I feel sp- very small. <laughs> well, it's all about your strength, right? You know, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have different feelings about that, but, um, yeah, but there <laughs> so many, so many similarities, um, between what you do and literally what I'm doing now. And I think back to all of mm-hmm. the stuff that I did as a musician, you know, it all comes back to the same, the same points technique, right? We always worked on technique. We always, yep. <laughs> you maybe didn't know it, yep. but I was always continually working on that, you know, um, yeah. and just breaking things down into parts and then separating them, you know, this group go yep. here, this group go there, let's put it all together. Okay. Now we'll oh, try yeah. it all together. You know, as a musician, you know, that works, yep. um, in my, in my coaching community, we have the most fabulous people I think in the planet. Now, maybe you've got five or six or seven of them <laughs> in your team, yeah. in your Avenger squad, you know, um, yeah. these people are truly in it, you know, to help you, you know, they yes. love and accept you for who you are and cheer you on. Mm-hmm. We have people that are, you know, that have been coaching quite a while and have built these phenomenal businesses have helped millions of people just, you know, um, I think our company's mm. helped over 2 million and some of these people have been there, you know, from the beginning. Wow. So it's just, and it's, it's such a, not that it's all about what you look like and being skinny. That's not at all what I'm saying. Yeah. It's all about feeling good about no. yourself, feeling good at where you're at. Yep. Are you at a healthy weight? You feel better when you eat nutritionally well, right? Yep. You know, you sleep yep. better. Yep. Um, you know, all of that. I've, uh, I hired my neighbor actually who lives across the driveway <laughs> to be my personal mm-hmm. trainer. And she works, she ironically had the same background, just like a decade behind me, um, in, oh track, my gosh. in track and field. So she was a track and field and a cross country coach here in Brentwood. And, um, she's oh. tough. And, I went to her kind of like probably what you feel like after three or four years of, you know, kind of taking some time off and it's like, oh mm-hmm. boy. And I've, you know, had both my knees replaced, you know, had some injuries, had oh, it, yeah. struggled with a back injury my entire life. Um, bolting discs, same thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, life just wears on you, but, um, yep. so it's just been, she's been great to be my little strength coach and she's a fabulous Christian too. So she's always, we're always yeah. talking, you know, about church and Jesus. And so, yeah. And that makes a difference too, when you guys have the same values and, and just the same 
core set. Like it's hard when you work with somebody who doesn't believe and not that you need to be around people who believe the exact same things, but that there is something that guides you, you know, like if you don't believe that there's something that guides you, then you're going to guide yourself and you're going to believe that you're right. And that your word is, is truth, that your beliefs are the only thing. But, but when you have something that guides you, your relationships are different. Your communication is different. Like, you know, how you just approach the world, the lens that you see the world is very different. And I think that that helps in those relationships when you're working with someone to try to get better in a certain area. And, and kind of even going, I was going to say back to the nutrition piece, like with my nutritionist, I'm, I, I mean, I have not weighed myself in like months and I used to do it like every single day. But the reason I don't is, is exactly what you were saying, which is, I know that I am eating better. I'm feeling better. My performance is good. Like all of these things are indicators that I'm on the right track. Like the number on the scale is just Mm -hmm. like in Javelin. Like the number that comes up on the board is not going to be the identifier, whether I'm good or bad. And I think that that's exactly what, what you're saying too. It's like, you know, when things are moving in the right direction. Right. Yeah. And when you eat poorly, you have a lot of inflammation in your body. You know, you don't sleep well. People have, um, the older they get, you know, the worse they feel with their joints. Um, Oh yeah. I just, a lot of people come to me that, and COVID was horrible. You know, I think the average weight gain that I saw for people going through that whole entire year was like 60 pounds of weight that Mm. they gained. Wow. That's insane. I know. So, you know, it's, it's my goal, you know, to help them, but I'm just so thankful for the community that I'm in as a coach, because it is a safe place. And they are the people I could call in the middle of the night and Mm -hmm. say, I'm stranded on the highway. Can you come get me? And they would come get me, you know, no matter what state I was in. So that's really been, that's really been awesome too. So yep. We all, we all need our own community. (laughs) Yeah. But kudos to you for putting that all together. You know, your Avenger squad. I just love that. That's just, (laughs) yeah. Cause it made a difference because you ended up 10th in the world. Um, didn't throw your your record throw. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was fabulous in the world ended. Yeah. And it was more than, you know, I, I had struggled even this year too. Like, I mean, every, we all go through struggles because it's like every time you hit a goalpost, I feel like you always move the goalpost. And so I was like constantly moving this goalpost and not feeling super satisfied. And so I know, like I'm working with my mental coach on that, but I am very proud of going in and competing well in the prelims. Like that was a huge hurdle that I wanted to get over because I knew that I didn't in 16. And so I was like, I'm going to go in. I want it to be one throw and be done. And so I was very, very happy and joyful with that performance. Obviously the final is I just have never experienced anything like the final. Like it was the most intense feeling like the energy was so high, strong, like intense. Mm, and I was not prepared for it. Like I can say that up front. like after being through that, I just, I didn't know what to expect because I'd never done it before. And so when I was there and it was very different than what the prelim felt like, I think it, I think I know it just, I let it get to me. I didn't stay into my game plan, which I had done all year. 
And when I deviated from the game plan, I think, you know, you let the enemy come in and attack your mind and, you know, you get into your head and you start doing things that you, you know, like you just start doing things that you don't normally, you wouldn't normally do. And then it, you know, it ends in the performance that you saw. Yeah. Um, One of the things I heard you say on another podcast was um, win or learn. Yep. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, my strength coach bingo he texted me that (laughs) right right after and I was like wow yeah like it stings in the moment right but it is also like that's exactly how I felt and I now know how I will approach things differently um and I think that it is it is I I said that to somebody else and they were kind of like off put by it but I was like but if you think about it like that's exactly what life is the, your experiences mm-hmm. True. winning or you're going to learn. And, and I do think that this was a learning one and it sucked and I wish it was a winning moment, but I know that God probably, ha- I know that he has a different story for me, even if I wanted it to be the other outcome. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it will for sure help you in. And that's just experience, right? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. why you, at least as, as, a singer, you know, and as a teacher, and I take my groups to as many competitions as possible, and I take them to the, so you know, you know, so they could screw up at the beginning ones, you know, and then we'd talk and we'd watch video, yes. you know, and we'd watch our tape, our film, and figure I, out what what looked good, what didn't. Yep. Oh, you know, and we use that. I mean, I filmed them all the time, even as we were rehearsing, and here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. the first year. They didn't even have a show choir, Maggie. They didn't, you know, you'd think that this is, we're in Music City, basically, Nashville. And yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, they they don't do show choirs in the school. So I I started one and Glee had just come out like in 09, I think. And I started here in in 2010. And it was because of Becky Williams, who I also interviewed. She's the drama teacher and she, and I went to their big, huge drama, you know, uh, summer, it was like a pool party type thing. And I met a ton of people Mm -hmm. and then I did auditions and started the show choir, but they didn't even know how to do a jazz square or step touch or anything. (laughs) It was like, like, we are starting at square one, square nothing. (laughs) They knew nothing, you know, nothing. Yeah. Square nothing. And, um, they didn't know that they didn't know anything, you know, so we, we get, yeah. we go to this competition and I got the scores back before, um, they announced kind of like who won. So we are in Atlanta yeah. and this is with the music company type of a deal. Um, but they, they compare your scores against every single group that is performed in that area. And then every single, okay. you know, um, place that, venue that this music company performed at which had like over 25 different places in the united states okay they're mostly at theme parks wow. that kind of a deal and so yeah. I, lo- I pulled out the scores and i thought oh good we're gonna get a superior at least we're not gonna go back you know and not get a- and yeah it turned out we got first place and we won the entire competition because our score was high enough now this is year one oh with my the gosh. kids who literally knew nothing, you know, 
And so then it was like, like you said, you know, okay, now what do I do next year, you know, to top this? And I had that pressure every year. The next year, my kids scored, they scored a hundred from every single judge. And I was, I've kept those score sheets because that's only happened twice in my entire career. Oh, (laughs) I can imagine. Once in Kansas, (laughs) we did four years in Kansas um, before we moved to Tennessee. So Kevin was transferred there. Okay. And one of my groups there got a a hundred, you know, so that pretty much was a shoe in that we were going to win, you know, the whole, like a national championship thing. And sure enough, we did year two. So That's then insane. it's like, and the kids wanted to get, you know, sweatshirts with that <laughs> hundred yeah, across the back. And it's like, oh, great. Yeah. What do I do the next year? So I, I can totally relate to that, <laughs> that pressure. But, you know, my Avenger squad yeah. were the kids. And I would sit down and I would mm. take my dance captains and say, all right, so here's what, you know, here's what we're, we're up against. We've got to set our goals. And, you know, that was one thing yeah. that you had touched on. Um, I know in, in another yeah. podcast that if you don't have goals, you're not going to get anywhere. And there again, yeah. it ties right, right back into these people that come to me and want to lose weight. Well, yeah. if their mindset's not yeah. right and they really truly don't have a goal, then it's, yeah. it's kind of pointless. Yeah. I can help them. You no, know, but, exactly. Like, but, but if you don't have a direction, yeah. Like if they don't have a direction for themselves and how are you going to direct them to get there? And so I think that that is a huge piece is that you have to have a goal and it doesn't like, you know, I, I'm in these school speeches, I'm talking to these kids about setting goals. Like that's, so I, it's called the Olympic um, five to thrive. I love and it. one of the five, I use the rings and yeah. And so in the goal setting, you know, one of the things that I talk about is, you know, you can't, what I find a lot of times with athletes or students or whatever it is, it's like they set this goal and it's like, you know, I want to run a marathon and it's like, that's great. You want to run a marathon. But what happens is that they look at that and they're like, but I'm so far away from that. How am I going to get there? Like what, how do I even start? Like this feels so far away. And then it's like, I don't even want to try Yes. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I talked about with my mental coach in Tokyo, because I was feeling kind of that overwhelming, like everything was so big. I just said, I said, you know, I just want to keep it small. And that has carried with me now in everything. It's like, how do you keep it small? Like, and get 1% better that day. Like we're not looking for, you know, a 110% gain today. Like we're looking for how can you keep this small and get 1% better every single day? 1% 1% better could be, I'm going to choose broccoli over the chips today for my, during lunch, you know, like yeah. 1% better mm-hmm. is like, I'm going to go on a walk around the block two times versus sit on the couch during, you know, these next 30 minutes. Like it is such a tiny, tiny, tiny commitment. But if you can, if you can say this is the 1% every single day, then that is going to lead into a day, into a week, into a month, into a year. And then right. that's when the goal gets hit. That's fabulous. Yeah. And hopefully becomes a habit <laughs> as you go along. Exactly. I know yes. I exactly. Took a, a screenshot of, from your <clears throat> from your Facebook page where you had that the Yeah. And I really hope you get to publish this your five to thrive. But why didn't you Yeah, share the yeah, other, we're working on the other, it. Yeah. The other four besides goal setting. Yes. Yeah. So the, the first one is, uh, you know, it, it kind of stuck with me. So it was like, humility reaps resiliency. So, you know, learning, you're going to have humble moments in life, 
and to be thankful for those humble moments in life because it builds that resilience within you. And, you know, a lot of that I, I lean on, you know, not doing college or making a team somewhere or failing an exam for these kids or whatever it is. It's like those moments of, you know, getting cut from a baseball team or basketball team, like that is going to build resilience within you. And that's going to carry with you the rest of your life, through the rest of your life. And so that's the first one. I love leading off with that. Second one is coachability. Like, you have to be coachable. <laughs> I get that. Period. Is just, you, you know, I, yeah. period. Like you literally have to be coachable. And there are moments where I still struggle with this because, you know, when you hit, when you have a level of success, it's hard to make changes. But if you trust the people around you who helped you get that success to begin with, it, you, you just got to continue to exercise that muscle of coachability. Um, third one is, is the goal setting. So we talked about that. Uh, number four is, um, self-awareness. So mental mm -hmm. health, what are you saying to yourself? How do you build yourself up? What are your core values? That's one exercise that I, I tell, or I have the kids do like, you know, think about your three to five core values, write them down at the end of the day, and then put it somewhere that you can see every single day, because you can lean on those when things aren't going well. You can build yourself up with this when you are wanting to tell yourself, you know, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm whatever. And I, and I share right. a lot of that too, what I went through and what I told myself for a long time. And so sure. I love that part and, and getting to talk about the Olympics also, because this year, you know, you got to see Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, Michael Phelps, they're all talking about mental health and how important it is. Um, so pulled into that one. And then the last one, exactly what we talked about community, which is, you know, your vendor squad, how do you create this community around you and, you know, who you choose as friends now. And I'm talking to middle school to high school. It's like, you may not think that it matters who you choose as friends right now, but it does like who you yeah. surround yourself with now is going to matter. What is going to help determine what you're going to look like 10 years from now. <laughs> Yeah, very true. And being a parent and having seen my kids go through that, you know, um, maybe not always picking the mm -hmm. best choice for friends <laughs> or maybe they, they were, yes. but, um, um, and yep. then the results, you know, and it's, you can't, I don't yep. know, it's hard to say to a teenager, you can't be friends with so-and-so, but, um, no, kind of came down to that. <laughs> for us. So, yeah. Um, well, and I, I say the quote too. Um, and I, I can't remember, I have it in my, um, I have it in my speech, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but the quote is, you know, you are the average of the five people who you surround oh, yourself right. with. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of these kids, and, and you know, like you and I have heard this, these kids have never heard that. Like when, every time that I have said that they like are it's like shook. you can hear a pin drop you know yeah. their eyes widen mm -hmm. yes and they're like and then i always look around and i can see the people they're like count like literally they'll start counting and they'll point at oh. their friends like they're five and so i and when i say this and i say you know very lovingly but also as clear as can be some of you may be really proud of that. And I hope that you are like when I, when I, when you think of the five people that you surround yourself with, I hope that you're proud of that and you like being around them and that they make you feel good and all these sorts of things. But some of you may be looking around and being like, Oh wow, maybe I should make some changes or maybe I should talk right. to this person. And so I think that's, that, that part has been super interesting for me. <laughs> Just like, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time with 
12 year olds to 16, 17 year olds. Like, you know, that's not where I spent the majority of my life. And so to get (laughs) to see this met, yeah. And to get to see this message really open their eyes in a lot of areas. And it does. And I have so many kids come up to me afterwards. That's the other cool thing about it. And ask questions, ask about my faith. I talk about my faith. Um, and that's the best part as well is getting to share a little bit about Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Especially in a public school and you were in Philadelphia, at least the screenshot I took. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. That's when I was there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing. Yeah. That it's been fun. I, yeah. Good for you. Um, for not, um, for standing, you know, tall for Jesus. I always took the attitude that I'm sharing yep. my faith. If people don't like it, they don't have to be in my class. If they're going to fire me over my faith, fine. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm not yeah. compromising. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to no. bend, you no. know, and we prayed no. before every no. concert and yeah. And yeah. truly that's also part of my Avenger squad, you know, was, was yep. having my faith and, yep. you know, like you said, being coachable and being teachable because kids are pretty ruthless yep. and even in high, you know, high schoolers, I think even more so because yeah. they would tell me stuff was like, Oh, I'm doing what? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that, man. I've got to go apologize to that kid. Cause I really made him feel bad. And I didn't even know, you know, I yeah. said anything, you know, and that kind of thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, that account, that accountability yeah. comes with that love, you know, if you're in a safe place and in yep. a safe community, then that accountability yep. comes back. Yep. So. so if you Absolutely. had, if you had um, a piece of advice to give to somebody that's an athlete or a musician or anyone that's just struggling mm-hmm. with cheapers about everything we talked about, <laughs> yeah, what, what would you be besides mm-hmm. being the sum of the five people you hang out with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess my first piece of advice is, you know, pursue your relationship with Jesus like that is for me, like the foundation when, when I know that things, when things aren't going well in my life or I'm more anxious or I'm struggling with something, like I know generally the first indication is that I'm not spending time in the word. I'm not listening to things that, you know, are going to help me build me. I'm not, I'm not dedicating time towards it. And it's just like anything like, you know, you with your husband or your kids, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's like, you have to continuously pursue that relationship. And when you don't, then things aren't going to go very well. And so I feel like for me, that's, that's always my number one piece of advice is like, start there just yeah five minutes a day you know that's that one percent <laughs> there you go um, and then you know five turns into 10 or 10 20 whatever it is yeah and i love the one percent because um mm-hmm. in fact i was reading a book about the man who coached i think he started with jordan michael jordan and his goal was to help him improve by 0.01 percent you know, and he go through all yeah. of these drills and, you know, Michael Jordan just literally outworked everybody. And, yeah. and that was oh, the beginning, yeah. I think, yep. of a, a business for him. And I wish I could tell you the name of the book, but I've, I read so many good <laughs> books. Yeah. But um, somebody out there will, will know what I'm talking about. But, wow, I was just yeah. like point, point 0.01, you know, but that's, you know, and yep. even 1%, like you said, that choosing broccoli yep. over chips, exactly. you know. That, <laughs> yeah. How, Yes. 
It's easy. And, and at the end of the day, yeah. And at the end of the day, ask yourself that, like you can keep yourself accountable or maybe in your community group too. It's like, Hey, where was your 1% today? Yeah. Cause when you can identify the 1%, it's easier to make that choice the next time. Right. Cause you've already done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's mm -hmm. gold. I'm going to share that with my clients for sure. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. I just, it's so good to see you and so good to, you, you too. Know, I know I followed you probably more by, you know, um, what people have shared or told me, you know, and, um, and just, reading. yeah, yeah. I was so impressed. I pulled up, I printed it three pages of your Wikipedia page. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't, yes. I don't know anybody that's got, yeah, there you are, Maggie Malone and uh, <laughs> some, some well, great does clothes. It, tell me if this is right. Somebody, somebody has this somewhere. Like I've been in so many interviews and they've been like, oh, okay. So you were, you were born in Texas and then you moved to Nebraska when you were little. And I was like, no, like, where is that at? <laughs> um, it says yeah. the year you were born, your birth date. It says you, yeah. um, yeah. It says you were raised in um, Geneva, Nebraska. Yeah. Went to Filmer Central. Yeah, that's good. So okay. yeah, I yeah, because I honestly, people have I thought asked me that so many. It times. looked accurate. Yeah, for sure. That's and good. then the, it tells your story <laughs> of how you ended up in you know at A and M, and you were in you know Nebraska yeah, for a, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. too. Yep. So yeah. shout out. To, okay. shout that's, out that's to your mom because yeah, yeah. I want to do a I shout know. out to your mom yes. because. <laughs> She was the yeah. first female and she should be interviewed on Brett's podcast. I'm going to tell Brett that, but I was just going to, I think you both should interview her to be honest. Like, I think that you and her have such a wealth of wisdom as, as teachers and coaches and you, you know, you have so much to share. I feel like you guys would have a great conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But she was the first female to ever be, I'm pretty sure to be inducted into the University of Nebraska I'm Hall of Fame. Sure as well. Because I remember when yeah, it happened. I'm pretty sure and, she was also. And yeah. talk about humility. Your mom was the queen of humility. And I'd go, oh my gosh, Nancy, you what? You did what last night? You know, and she probably meant that her and everybody. Yep. And she just would blush and just smile. It's like, mm, no big deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, she'd never say a word well, about it. And never. I always told people, yeah, like we never knew any of the stories about my mom ever. Like the only way we knew about them is if co coaches or people would tell us about, you know, what she had done in high school or college or whatever it was. Like we just had no idea how great of an athlete she was. And then what has been so fun is then going to Texas and then everybody knows my dad, like as a football coach, right. and, I mean, so he coached forever the for there too. Yes. And it's been so fun to just, just to get to see that and, and see dad just do well. And he's in his element. I mean, That's you know, great. him. he is Daniel yeah. and the football coach through, through and through. I love him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. always remember oh, his yeah. accent and son, you got a tire. We talk about, you know, doing a tire. Yes. That's how you say it. Yes. And, um, in fact, Ryan was, uh, we, Ryan actually admitted that he had to do a tire, you know, where you run around the track with a oh, giant, yes. you know, I don't know, it was a tractor tire over your head. Yes. And then my other favorite saying was, was, yeah, that you mamas don't call me. It's just a bobo. 
you just it's just a bobo <laughs> in other words oh your kid's gonna gosh. get hurt he's I gonna get banged up so <laughs> we use it all the time oh it's, it's just, just a bobo. bobo just a bobo <laughs> and, uh, so we have a lot of I'm gonna a lot tell of him that he will love that a lot of great memories yeah he does for sure so. so my favorite line of dad's my favorite line we always make fun of him and I don't know if he said this around you but he would always say ah, what do you think this is a Holiday Inn <laughs> oh <laughs> no I didn't get that one <laughs> that's he good. always says that one <laughs> now people oh, are gonna man. go Diddy Holiday blown. Inn yeah. <laughs> That's great. I know. That's yeah, great. I, I know. love it. That's great. Well, uh, you we keep in touch. Yes. Yeah, you keep in touch. I would well, absolutely. To. Thank you so much for joining me today on Crucible. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button and share with your friends. I'm Mary Lee Aitenhan, and I'll see you next week.